0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings, the BA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks. showered always by the great Stone Hansen, the wonderful Cooper Klein. And this is going to be our last or maybe second to last, depending on how scheduling works out, um, podcast before we start doing some really deep dives. Uh, but we kind of wanted to do one last kind of fun, you know, Pre deep dive episode where we did a user mailbag and we're going to do a tail of the tape and all that fun stuff so before we get too into it coopstone my friends how you guys doing
1: doing well i'm um, just spent pretty much all day watching film um which hopefully is what i'll be able to do for the majority of the time leading up to the actual draft um i'm excited for the breakdowns that are coming up uh and we should probably mention this at the top of the show um if you have questions from our deep dives, send them in and we'll try to answer them on the next podcast. So like, if you have like specific things you want cleared up or something that we didn't touch on during the deep dives podcast, which hopefully we'll touch on everything just send it into us uh, and hopefully we can talk about it on the next podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely i actually think that that's a good reminder um because i actually had someone uh reach out um the great mike weisenberg who is one of the best to ever do it uh, he reached out and we had a nice discussion about age in the draft because the last pod we did i did a lot of talking about age and you know i had called guys like gerace walker old and um and, and stuff like that and I definitely want to clear that up. Those guys are are not even particularly old for their class. They're about average for what you would expect from a high schooler. What they what I was using to call them old is the basketball reference age, which is a, a player's age in the month of February of whatever year that is their basketball reference age blank season. So, like if you you know for me, I'm a February eighth birthday, right? So uh, I, I think it's in the middle of February. So this season. If I was playing in the NBA, it would be my age twenty one season, uh, you know. But if I was born in March, it would be my age twenty season. Even though they're only a month apart, so I I often use that as shorthand when talking about age. But but uh, Weisenberg, uh, and again, he's great. Please go follow him. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff, especially in the Pacific Northwest. One of the foremost scouts in this area. Um, he he kind of reached out and he was like, I think it's unfair to call those. Guys old, old for their class would be someone like a Jalen Suggs who reclassed and was basically a year old or a Marjon Beauchamp is another great example of that, who they are older by a whole year than their peers coming out of high school, where someone like a Drace Walker is just slightly on the older end of the average age curve for their draft. So uh again, like if you ever have stuff like that to bring up, like we we are not shy We'll talk about it with you uh, in our in our uh, you know DMs or even publicly on Twitter if you if you want to you know air it out to dry a little bit. Anyway, sorry, Coop, I, I interrupted your introduction.
2: No, I I uh, was basically just going to say yeah, G- DMs. Uh, you know, you can email us uh, at the the upside swings email account if you really you know if you feel the need to send a strongly worded email. Uh, yeah, hit us up on the timeline. Whatever, we'll all respond to you. Uh you could hit us up on TikTok anywhere you want, hit us with questions. We can answer them on the pod for you, wherever. Um, but yeah, I had a good day. Um, you know, watched a lot of games finally. Um, uh, had a just a nice day in to to watch some film. And you know, Cougars are the best team in the country. How can you not be happy today?
0: They absolutely are. And the Cougars are also the best team in the Pac 12. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're 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 putting up a good fight, I think. Uh, you know, Koop and I's teams are both having some pretty monumental success for the program. Both our teams define success in very different ways at this point in their programs' history. But uh, hey, that's Jabe more is, than all right. With Jabe me. is
2: defining success in in
1: his own way. So he actually he had, awesome had a down of success. He
0: actually had a down week this week, but um, that's all right because my boy Andre had his breakout game against Stanford, which he desperately needed. That man, I swear, would be getting real NBA looks if he could just stay healthy. Uh, Last year, he tweaked an ankle towards the end of the year, and that took his shooting number. Like, he went on, once he came back from that injury, he went on, like, a huge shooting slump and dropped his number from, like, 43% on the year on good volume to, like, 38% on the year on good volume, which is still, like, a good number for a 6'8 guy. But it's, like, the difference between, like, oh, shit, and oh, okay, well, that's passable. Uh, and you know, this year he he had had turf toe, just the randomest thing, and he finally came back and he really really struggled until that Stanford game. He had like uh, 17 on five of six shooting from deep and six of eight from the field and a couple nice defensive plays. Anyways, enough about enough about Cooper and I's teams who are on very. St- so, I shouldn't say very, because WSU has a couple prospects now, but they don't have anyone on the level of a Trace Walker, so uh, for what that's worth. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump right into the questions, and I think there are some very interesting ones here, uh, and we'll just go down the line, I think, answering your questions, um, and, and just kind of go from there. So this one is from the Great prospecting NBA. He does great work. Uh, Tyler Wilson, go follow him. Uh, is there any specific role, archetype, skill you index for more than others? And if so, why? I will say I had some confusion on the word use of the word index here um, because I, I even looked it up as a transitive verb and it basically meant to turn into an index, which did not help me at all. So thanks to Google Dictionary. I consider myself a generally like good writer with a good knowledge. Of, my dad's an English teacher, for God's sake. But for some reason, the use of the word index in this specific context just drove me nuts. So maybe we, we going, need to
1: bring your dad on as a guest for the next pod. Maybe, to, just to... Define index for us.
0: <laughs> just to keep me straight. No kidding. Um, But we will... Be be using that word in a broad sense to discuss uh, uh, prospect archetypes, roles or skills that we tend to feel more confident in our evaluation of and or value more and roles or archetypes that we tend to value less. So Stone, I'm going to throw this to you first. You can start on whichever end of the spectrum you want, but just kind of give us like a role or archetype that tends to, you know,
1: occupy your mind in one way or the other um so i guess i'll sort of start with like what i value most in terms of archetype or whatever um i think generally speaking i value um guys that are jack of all trades master of none sort of wings um that i think a lot of people Sometimes a lot of people refer to that as like a double-edged sword, where you don't have like one specific skill or whatever. I think guys that can are good at multiple different things, especially if they're like wing-sized, provide a lot of value for in a lot of can provide a lot of value in a lot of different ways. Um, And I think that that generally is um, uh, something that I like to maybe prioritize over a lot of other archetypes Um, in terms of like what I think I'm maybe. Most confident in evaluating, uh, I guess it would be sort of combo guards. I feel, I feel like I have a pretty good feel on sort of how a combo guard game um, is translatable to sort of winning basketball, um, and that's sort of hard to contextualize as to how I determine that. I guess, but I guess uh, you'd sort of get a feel after watching enough of these prospects and players over the years that you can sort of have a pulse on that um and so i feel like i'm decent at that there's obviously a lot of misses i've had over the years too but i feel like that's probably the the archetype i I feel most confident in my evaluations
0: yeah coop uh where, where does your mind tend to go when you read this question
2: uh well on the positive end it is uh big players who can defend um and it's like i think that the the guy who you think of when you think of the the archetype is alex fudge who has zero offensive game basically he has he has a little bit now but like even last year i probably would have taken him lottery uh because he's a game-changing defender um i tend to over like i like to value that a lot i like to you know i really value just someone who can come in and change the game plan defensively especially when you're the big a big man sized or like a big forward size um and then you know we can find something for you to do on offense that's kind of uh, my philosophy there if you're big enough and good enough at defense we'll find something for you to do whether that's just dunking or rolling or whatever um it's uh, it, that's an archetype i really love an archetype i don't love i don't want to steal stone's answer here uh but i'll stay with so i'll stay with the big men uh, and just slow-footed bigs in general, uh, whether that's slow getting off the floor, slow moving at the level and laterally, um, just bigs who, lumbering bigs is is the term I would use, whether that's like a Mark Williams or, you know, like an Oscar Shibway or uh, Drew Timmy, just guys who can't move their feet. Uh, you know, I understand that there's like, you know, the, the change of pace big, but it's it's really hard for me to see somebody who can't explode off the floor to be a, to, to have a great role in the league, unless their offensive game is really, really developed.
0: Yeah. I, 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 obviously Coop and I, I think we've, we've made a habit of this Um, are very similar basketball thinkers. I think uh, in terms of, we definitely, you know, Coop said, Coop put it as defense first, but I I'd probably be even more broad and just point to like, like, uh, uh, Super sized, funky movers. If you're six eight and you move like a guard, even if you're not good at defense, I'm going to assume you can get good at defense. And then like, there's something there um, offensively. I think you know guys like this who have maybe burned me in some ways. Uh, you know, I think some of that is organizational. But like a Kai Jones, you know, Stone and I were both very high on him. I, th- I think Coop was as well. He was not a full part of Upside Swings yet at that point, but just someone who. You watch them and you're like, oh, like, human beings aren't just meant to do that. I think that's why Wemby is such, like, like brain food for me. Like, whenever I'm bored, I just put on Wemby tape. And it's partially because, like, yes, like a 7'4 dude who moves like he's 6'4. Like, he, like... Like uh when we do the, the Wemby deep dive, like you know who Wemby reminds me of, like as a mover is Malik Beasley. And like it's insane, right? Like, like how does this seven four guy move like Malik Beasley? But um, anyways, I just like like those are the guys who tend to really do it for me, and I, I tend to value those guys even to a maybe overvalue them extent. Um as for uh uh players, I, I'm not even gonna say like I'm always lower on, but definitely struggle with is just bigs in general i'm i'm still trying to understand like all the important defensive rotations that a big has to make um you know i'm I'm trying to understand like i feel like i'm just now getting to a point where i'm where i'm pretty good at understanding passing reads a big makes and whether they are a function of the offense or a function of uh the big themselves like like, I think WSU's offense this year has really taught me a lot about that. In a way, I'll explain uh, some other time. Or you can go read my work, and, and I explain it there if you want to read about uh, the Cougs on Koop Coug Center. But definitely just bigs in general. Like, like unless they're super obviously great on defense or, um, like, just some obvious offensive superstar, like, I, I just I just struggle a, a lot with, with bigs sometimes, unless they're really obviously switchable. Um, because all the minutia of a defensive rotation that of defensive rotations that bigs have to make is just something I'm not all the way there yet. I think I've gotten better at it, but there's still some work to do. Um, but I think you know, like like a great example of that is the Walker Kessler versus uh Christian Coloco debate. Um, and Coop and I fell very strongly on the Christian Coloco rules and Walker Kessler rules. Um, and I think there's definitely been some Uh, I I will say I think both are NBA players at this point like like Christian Coloco has looked good in in the minutes he's played Uh, but even Kessler like is going to get a lot of love has really really struggled defensively in a lot of those defensive rotation things he gets blocks because he gets himself out of position to get blocks all the time but um, you know I just I I don't know like bigs in general just a struggle. All right, let's move on to uh, this question from Thomas Stapleton at T. Stapleton NBA. Who's your favorite guy outside of Wemby, Scoot, the Twins? Um, I'm going to go first here because I I feel like mine is maybe the most out of left field, though I'm going to guess all three of us have kind of some funky answers here. Basically, this is asking who's your favorite college guy, uh, if we're being honest. And for me, it's Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State. Um, Sensabaugh is just, he's just, I think he might be the best shooter in this class, um, and that's saying something considering some of the other guys in this class. Like I think Sensabaugh is a better shooter than Dick or um, or Brandon Miller or guys like that. Like he is just insane in terms of just how unbothered he is by contest. He has the funk to create shots for himself. I think there's some passing juice there. Um, I think he's a not awful defender and that's good enough when you're six, six and a shot creator, like he is the guy out of everyone. And this draft is full of wings who I think are NBA players, but he is the one who seems the most likely to me to be a star for whatever that's worth. Coop, I'm going to throw this to you. Who's your favorite guy uh, in college right now?
2: This is kind of a tough one. Uh, there's like four guys who I really love from like six, seven to six, nine. If I'm taking this question as in who is just my favorite uh, as in just personal enjoyment, I think that would, that I'll, it would be Jairus Walker um, because I love Jairus. Obviously he goes to my Houston Cougars. If it was who is my favorite as a prospect, uh, I think that would, I honestly, I think that would go to Jet Howard right now. Um, I am in love with Jet Howard. Um, Just he can do everything that you want a 6'8 wing to be able to do. And then also has shot creation upside, can make some nice connective passes. uh, And really just, I think you can plug him into any offense in the world and he's going to do the right stuff. You can plug him into any defense in the world and he's going to do good stuff. And then there's also a world where you develop him in, into a second option on a championship team offensively. And he is your elite wing scorer who can make nice passing reads, lock up other players, make good rotations. It's just a big part of my philosophy right now, or like that. I, I It's kind of been trapped in my mind has been guys who have no weaknesses. uh, And I don't, Really, think Jet Howard has a massive like weakness at six, eight,
1: and I love that about him. Yeah, so uh, I'm to be honest, still trying to figure this answer out. Like, I don't have someone that really pops out to me at five, I, I don't really have like a nailed down answer. That might change as I watch more film because I'm still catching up on some guys. Some guys I've only seen like two games of. So as I watch more film, maybe that that answer will jump out at me. Um, But as of now, I don't don't really have like a definitive fifth prospect. And I've actually been thinking about this and, and trying to search for whoever that guy is, but just hasn't really come at me yet.
0: Alright, uh so everyone go boo stone in the comments. Fake the answer. Video. Fake answer. Um Ooh. let's move on to uh another question from Thomas. And he asks, How would you rate the Arkansas prospects? Um, and the guy who would be right after Bryson Spa for me is also the top Arkansas prospect. That's Ant Black. Um, I think Anthony Black is just um, you know, as the kids say, he's him. Uh he is a six-six point guard. Like he is, I think we often You know, we say, oh, he's 6'8 point guard. You know, I think of Jordan Hall with this a lot. And we don't actually mean that. We mean they are plus passers for their size who will sometimes bring the ball up. But being a point guard is very different. I think Ant Black crosses that line into he's actually a point guard because he can really run a nice pick and roll. His passing vocabulary is great. Like he can throw all types of passes. It's not just like three reads that he's spamming all the time. We good specific defenses. He's like constantly playing within the flow. His biggest issue is just, and, and I don't say this uh, like to, to uh, you know, beat on Arkansas or anything. Cause I love that team in concept. His biggest issue is that he plays on Arkansas and Arkansas has really struggled to shoot this year. Uh, they've had some major, major shooting deficiencies, but the defense is great. Uh, I I think on ball and off ball, there's some screen nav issues, but for the most part, I think he's a great defender. Um, hit the passing is great. I think the shot is going to come around. It's just not there right now. So Ant Blacks at the top for me. Um, before I kind of name my the, the my next two, are you guys kind of with me that he is the top guy out of the
1: Arkansas prospects? You're not going to like me answer. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I I think that. Uh... <laughs> I, I need to watch more Nick Smith at a collegiate level to have a definitive answer. I feel like that's sort of where I'm at right now.
2: Okay, okay. Thanks for thanks for making for some great radio here, Stone. Thanks um, for nothing. Yeah, so definitively, the best Arkansas prospects. There is no other order. I'm going to do the opposite of Stone. Ant Black at the top, he's the best. Uh, just like Bryce, he would have been my next guy up after jet black or jet Howard. Uh, second, I am going to get funky and say Jordan Walsh, who, um, Arkansas can't shoot. They cannot shoot. And Walsh is such, he is a connector who cannot shoot either. And he makes their problems way worse, but boy, that guy can defend. He is all over. So athletic six, seven fun connector wing, uh, just so talented and if that shot comes around i mean that guy's a 30 team starter um and then bryce if you want to take your second who's your who's your second guy
0: it's also jordan walsh for me um again i think the defense is rather remarkable especially on ball he's not a bad rotational defender by any means but man can he move his feet for someone his size i think the passing is great he's such a quick decision maker he's an underrated athlete again cuz he plays in like like a you know a team with no spacing so he doesn't get to just like rise up and throw down all the time but i think he's a really good athlete the, i will say like i think i've soured a bit on walsh from the preseason because i i thought the handle was a little better than i think it is um, which hurts like his upside is like a, you know, like a point forward type. But like, again, I, I just, if, if, if he shoots, he's a thirty team starter, like, like Coop says, and uh I'll take that bet. Um, But I will also, I, I see where Stone is coming from where you have to see more Nick Smith. Nick Smith had moments in high school where he looked like a superstar scorer. Now he is a combo guard and the tough thing with a lot of those type of combos is that if they fall below that threshold, like, it's it's like a barren wasteland a little bit. But, he is super silky. I think the pull-up is great. His touch is great. The shot from deep is, like, has always been inconsistent. And I just, I, I don't know. He, there's, like, some Jordan Clarks in there. Preseason, he got some Shagul, just Alexander comps. I think he could absolutely... He's probably still a lottery guy for me, and he could absolutely you know uh a, a jump above Jordan Walsh I'd have those two like in a tier together right now but that's how I would I would rank them currently
1: the difference uh, for me between um uh Nick Smith and, and a lot of the sort of like highly touted combo guards um is to me he seemed like a much more advanced passer than a lot of guys coming in um but again we haven't really been able to see that at the college level because he hasn't played yet so um, I'd like to see that <clears throat> before I definitively say, but those two black and, and, and Nick Smith are sort of, I guess for now at the top tier um, until I see more Nick Smith. Um, and then third, I would have Walsh um, who I I still would, I, I still would probably take lottery. So that's like three Arkansas guys. I'd still probably have a, a lot of ranking on, but, um, be, that, and that just sort of shows how much I like Walsh, Walsh still. It's not really a knock on him, um, but that that's probably my top three in terms of n- nobody at one, one or two and then Walsh at three.
2: We'd be uh, remiss to not talk about Travon Brazil here, um, who I adore. I uh, would maybe have him in, in my lottery tier, which is um, a little bit dramatic, but he, I mean... Bryce talked about funky movers. I mean, Brazil's 6'9", an absolutely absurd athlete and also has some, you know, wing and guard skills. Um, It is just absurdly hard to find somebody like that. And, and, you know, he was probably their best shooter for most of the year while he was healthy. Um, He's just kind of insane. You know, maybe, probably, especially after the injury, I don't think he was going to get the the same love as the other three guys but uh definitely deserves to be in the conversation
0: yeah sadly i'd be shocked if he's drafted this year at this point but he's definitely fun um all right speaking of keeping that jordan walsh train going wolves culture run of the pod at wolves underscore culture asks who do you like more between walsh and phillips and why of course he's talking about julian phillips from tennessee I'd say Walsh just because I think Walsh has, like, an elite skill in a way Phillips doesn't. I think Phillips is a good shooter, a good defender with good touch. The shot hasn't quite been there for Tennessee, um, but I think he will get there eventually. Uh, But, I I, like, when it comes down to it, Walsh is elite as an on-ball defender at his size, and I'm not sure Phillips is elite at anything. Uh, So that's kind of where I fall on that. Where, Where are you guys at?
1: Yeah, I mean it's Walsh for me, um, and I liked Phillips a fair amount in high school, um, and I actually still like him a decent amount, just not nearly as much as Walsh. So it's it's Walsh fairly easily for me.
2: Yeah, I'm actually I'm surprised you didn't say uh, Phillips there Stone, but uh, yeah, I I go Walsh. Uh, I mean, I just doted on him for about forty five minutes there, so uh, it shouldn't be hard to see why. But I adored uh, I adore Walsh.
0: All right, let's move on to the, the next question from Wolves Culture who he asks um, favorite non-Whitmore prospects in the Big East. So I think my brain like automatically goes to the Yukon guys um because you know uh they have they have just like a collection of like fringe prospects who just might um, be guys, you know, like an Andre Jackson Donovan Klingon has been a really impressive freshman. Uh, Adama Sanogo, um, you know, all those guys have really popped um, in, in certain ways. Uh, you know, I, I think Jordan Hawkins is potentially the best UConn prospect just because he's like an elite shooter. Um, but th- this, this conference is really chock full of guys. So just kind of running down, you know, Xavier has Colby Jones, who's had a really awesome junior year. A sort of a combo, sort of a 3 and D wing type, uh, kind of the best of both worlds there. Uh, Marquette, of course, has Olivier Maxens proper, who's like just a funky 6'8 dude. Uh, they also have um, uh, Ogo... East, I can't think of his name now. Um, I have not watched enough Marquette, obviously, for me to not know his name. Uh, but... He he's he's kind of caught on on draft Twitter a little bit. Providence has who I would say is my favorite non-Cam uh, prospect in this group, and that's Bryce Hopkins, who I adore. I think Bryce Hopkins is uh, super underrated, just a really funky forward. Creighton, of course, has Baylor Shireman. Still, they have Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Kalkbrenner. Seton Hall has Kadari Richmond. Even a team like Saint John's has. David Jones has Andre Curbello. Um, you know, even Georgetown has some guys who I watched a Georgetown game the other day and I was like, holy shit, like they have two guys who are really, really fun Um that I just, you know, I, I think the Big East is just, it's a basketball conference, man, and they know it. There's a lot that, to love there. So uh I've named a ton of guys. Stone, Coop, do you guys have a, a favorite you want to dote about?
1: for me it's colby jones um i really like colby jones i think that uh he's probably close to top tier in in this class specifically cuz it, it lacks in this sort of thing uh in terms of like reactive passing um i think that uh he's a pretty solid defender um he's i don't know there's just he's got like a really mature game um that i think Uh he like it's easy to see him contributing like pretty early on in his career to winning basketball. So uh I'm a big fan of Colby Jones as someone that hopefully someone will take in the somewhere in the 20s, maybe in the draft.
2: Yeah, stone stole my answer, but uh Bryce forgot to shout out the greatest guard prospect in the big east, and that is Posh Alexander out of St. John's, absolute menace at the point of attack, uh funk machine absolute legend i'm pretty sure i did him for a tale of the tape last year i think it was on the 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 guy who went there that episode but it he's a legend absolute legend
0: coop is of course talking about julian champagny when he's mentioning the guy who went there uh, i can't
2: remember names anymore it's there's so many names that are just stuck in my head i can't remember guys who are sadly going to be stuck in the g league that should be playing nba ball
0: he absolutely should be playing NBA ball. He was good at everything. Um. Anyways, let's move on to our next question. How far is the Wemby Scoop Twins tier players from the next tier, or in other words, how does the five to eight range stack up in stack up to other years? And that's from uh the Rodeo Kid. Uh, I think that's yeah the Rodeo Kid. I want to say it Theodore Kid, but. I realized that that's probably he'd probably be mad at me for calling him Theodore.
1: I think it's Theo Rio de Kid. <laughs>
0: no, it's it's very much T H E R O D E O. That's the Rodeo. I
1: Theo deo Kid.
0: Shut up! Um, all right. Uh, so I think this is an interesting question. Um, I would probably have man, is this going to get me crucified? I would probably have Scoot in a tier with one of the twins and then like two or three other guys that constitutes, what? what is that? You know, three through seven. Uh, and in that, like when I put it like that, I think the five to eight range in this class stacks up really nicely against the five to eight range in other classes. Um, but I will say... I think this class's strength is that it's full of guys who I think have at least one NBA caliber skill and, you know, play a valuable position. A guy like Grady Dick or even Brandon Miller, who I've been noted as being lower on. These are guys who do at least one or two things that you could point to and say, that is an NBA level skill. That is absolutely going to translate. That will be there at the next level. I think the thing that this five to eight range has issues with one is upside. I feel like there's a lot less like guys in this range where like, like if it's like a jet Howard who I really like or, or a Bryce Spock who I really like, it's hard for me to be like, there is a path where like a believable realistic path where that person is a superstar, not just a really good player, a superstar. To where other drafts, I feel like that five-day range has a few more guys where you're like, listen, if if they thread the needle just right, there's a world. You know what I mean? I, I guess that's where I'm at with it. Stone no this to you. How do you kind of feel about uh, uh, my assessment of that of that question? Uh,
1: I think that's I think we disagree in terms of tiers, but I think I agree sort of with your um evaluation of that. Um, I I think that. I mentioned this earlier, I think just in our, our group chat that there just seems to be a lot more questions surrounding guys in that five to eight or five to 10 range than years prior for me. Like there's just a lot more like obvious flaws to games that I guess you just normally don't see within that range. Um, and for me, that's, um, been what's difficult for me to find that fifth guy that we were talking about earlier. Um, so I guess going back previously to that question, that's, um, a good sort of way to, I guess, illustrate how I feel about this class. Where the top four to me is really set, just in the way, um, the rodeo kid asked this question with Wimby, Scoot, and the twins. Um, <clears throat> maybe a different order, but that's that's my top four, and finding that fifth guy has just been really hard for me. So. I guess that just inherently means there's a pretty big gap between those top four in a fifth, uh, person for me. Um, so that's not my answer to the question. I guess just a, a a large, um, a large gap, and I think that the way it stacks up against previous classes is that it's still strong. Just the flaws seem to be more obvious than years prior to me.
2: Yeah, I have Wemby and then the twins and Scoot in a tier of their own after that. And then I probably from five to eight or five to seven uh have a little tier between there of a few guys who I who I kind of like who I kind of touched on earlier. Uh but it's after that it just becomes like Stone was talking about almost a, a wasteland of guys who have they have MBA skills and they also have reasons that you can look at and be like uh, well, I can see this being a reason why this guy doesn't reach, you know, the ceiling that I really think he could. Uh, and there's just a lot more holes uh, in these guys after like seven, eight, nine. But the strengths are just so strong that it's hard to it's like be out on them in any kind of way. There's just, so, <laughs> there's just so many guys that have reasons. Like, I don't know, it feels stronger, but weaker in its own way uh, after about seven. It's kind of a kind of a mess. But that's why I'm really excited to do the deep dives to kind of dispel a lot of the way that I feel about these guys and really set set myself on my evaluation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think something that I often part of why I decided not to put out an early board this year and why I'm never going to do it again is because I realized last year like just how much doing the deep dive really changes my perspective. Like, cause even, like, even when I'm watching a game for a person, like, I'm still like, oh, like I'm noticing other things. Like when we do our deep dives, I am so locked in on just following that guy around the floor. And, and, and it's just, it's just a very different experience that gives me a very different opinion on a player. Um, So yeah, I, uh, I, I'm definitely excited because I, I also think this draft is just going to be a very, it's going to show your taste. It's going to show what you enjoy. You know, if you're a stats guy, you might lean more heavily towards, um, certain box score statistics or, um, you know, like, like age, uh, progression numbers. If you're, you know, someone like Koop and I, you might lean more on, uh, like the size plus athleticism thing, but uh, there's definitely like, there's gonna, there's, there's enough of almost everything in this draft other than point guards where you are going to be able to show your taste in the sport. Um, You're also going to be able to show if you're just a grifter who's following mock drafts, because I think if your big board looks a lot like, you know, like the Wasserman mock drafts this year specifically, I think it's showing me that, uh, you're like, like more than any other draft that that you're just kind of being, um, lazy isn't the term I want to use, but unoriginal in some ways, uh, or, or, um, uh, potentially timid about your own evaluations. Anyways. Uh let's move on to a question from ooh, Sean elif I think is I Twitter handles always kill me. Like, that is not like a hard, I just said it phonetically, but like there's something about like you know, if oh, is this a Sean with like an E at the end and it's just Sean liff I don't know. Anyways, no, I think
1: it's Sean Elif. Okay,
0: I killed it, is what you're saying. Yes. Um, uh, do you have a miss from past drafts too high or too low? that caused a change in how you would evaluate. Uh, I'll go first here because I have two that are automatically like just right at the top of my head. The first is too high. Uh, and, and as much as I hate to do this, and again, like I still think he's a better NBA player than he's been able to show. I think I learned a lot from my evaluation of Kai Jones. Um, I think the big thing was that uh, I've learned that, you know, Movement skills being an end-all be-all of an evaluation is probably not a good thing Uh, as much as I enjoy them. And as much as I do value just being an absurd athlete, uh, I, I think it's important to understand that Kai Jones was so raw when it came to how he saw the game and how he, and, and his level of feel and, and just like that innate ability to, uh, make decisions on the basketball floor that it is really kind of hinder him. Uh, now, again, I think the Hornets are just an awful place for him to develop because they are not good at teaching you those, those things. They don't like young players. They want you to like, just be prepared uh, already. I don't know why they would draft someone like Kai Jones, honestly, but you know, what, who am I to say? Uh, but I think I have learned that, um, And one is just pay more attention to the little thing. You know, Kai Jones, that 2020 year was my first year really doing anything draft Twitter-wise. And I probably watched, you know, half the film that I do now and with half the knowledge of what actually translates. Um, And I think I've grown a lot. So I think that evaluation has really taught me things. Uh, Someone I was too low on, and I find this one interesting because it, it hasn't necessarily changed how I evaluate, but it does change how I discuss my evaluations and that's Isaiah Stewart um I was out on Isaiah Stewart uh I, I don't think I was really on draft Twitter at that time uh but I would have had him or I, I guess I was technically um and all all those years blend together. I would have had him like undrafted probably um but obviously he's become like like he is a, one of these guys who is at least probably an NBA player right now. He's been on a bad team. I still don't think he's a very good defender, but I think what that has shown me is that it's important to discuss my my big board as not a prediction of outcomes, of like expected outcomes, but instead a very personal look at how I view the game and what I am hoping to get out of each player like like it's not like like if my big board was simply in 10 years from now like just rank these guys on who i think they're going to be it would look a lot different than how i actually do it because i'd be less likely to put those high risk players high um so i guess that's where i'm at with that coop uh who are some past draft misses who you've learned from
2: so i'll start with too low um and it's someone who isn't he wasn't even that low i actually i think i had him the highest of the three of us but franz wagner um just i had him like 11 and that was like seven spots too low and like a tier too low uh and just it really solidified a big part of my uh philosophy which is just if you are young and you are good You are probably going to get better, but like at a higher rate than someone who is, you know, older and the same level of good, or younger and worse. Uh, like Franz was a freshman, age sophomore who was incredibly good, had a lot of flashes, had a very solid baseline to come in and just be a good player, but also, you know, he's just good, and people just kind of pegged him as three and D. It's, I mean, I had Moses Moody six that year, and I had Franz at eleven. Um, and I still really like Moody and I still really believe in him, but I mean, Franz should have been ahead of it, right? Like, it's just, I had Moody really high for the reason that I should have had Franz higher and I didn't really properly apply my philosophy at that time. And I think that that's something that I really learned. Um, and somebody too high, um, I don't I I still have a problem with the fact that I I had Jan Montero way too high last year which I feel really bad about but I I instead of like thinking about is this guy actually gonna get minutes and is a team ever going to trust him and it it was just he shoots real good he can get to the rim and he can pass so he has to be like I still would have had him as a first round guy but I had him in the same tier as like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara and Marjon Beauchamp, who I saw as very solid, cannot miss kind of guys. And a a risk like Montero, I I probably just shouldn't have had that high, Uh, especially with just all the risks of him not touching the league and not getting a chance, which is tough to evaluate, especially in our position where we don't, like we obviously don't have any control over that kind of stuff. Uh, and we're trying to do more of, you know, this is at the end of the day, it's a mental exercise, right? There's nothing else I can, I can really do. Uh, but I think I just sold myself too much on the idea of pure philosophy instead of who he is and what his game actually is.
0: I, I really love that point. How you, how sometimes as draft evaluators, we can definitely get too lost in the weeds of philosophy and not just being like, this dude is just fucking good, or he's just not that good. And I think that's like, like, I think that's almost part of why I'm so high on Bryce Sensabaugh. So I just watch him, and I'm like, you know, shot creator from the wing, takes a lot of bad pull-up twos. But at a certain point, I'm just watching him, I'm just like, he's just too good to fail. Like, he's just, like, everything he does is what an NBA player does. He's just a fucking guy. And, like, that's something I feel like I've I've really learned. Um, You know, with some with some of my past evaluations is just at a certain point, archetype or role doesn't really matter when a guy is just really good. And it's important to evaluate each player by their own skill set rather than potential archetype they feel in the league, because even things that we often just write off like like, oh, he's a good on ball defender. You know when we and we talked about this, I think we did a really good job on this with our deep dives last year. Is like no, like there's more to it than just being a good on-ball defender. Are you a good ISO defender? You know, can you guard twos and threes wells, but struggle with the size of fours? You know, can you get around screens? What's that like? Like I just think uh, the deeper you get into it and the more you understand a player himself rather than their archetype is is just the richer your your draft valuation can get. So I, I definitely love that point, Coop. Uh, Stone, uh, guys you've learned
1: from? Yeah, um, you stole my answer. It's just someone that's too low on, so I'll sort of just skip over that because um, I had Isaiah Stewart 76th, and while well, I still don't believe he's um, really, like, a solid NBA rotational player, I do feel like it caused me to reevaluate some things with, in terms of how I look at big men, but I'll sort of skip ahead because um, we're running long on this question. So two guys I was too high on Um, one was, I think they're both from the 2018 draft or one was from the 2017 draft. Anyways, uh, Kevin Knox, um, was a big miss for me. I was way too high on him. That taught me a lot about, um, being too high on a guy that, that you just bet. Apparently I didn't learn that well because I like Kai Jones a lot, but betting too high on guys that are so raw at basketball, but have like all the tools necessarily to be really good at it eventually. Um, but if they haven't shown that they can put it together yet, then I should have been more skeptical of that. Um, and I think Kevin Knox taught me that initially and I I sort of threw it out the window with Kai Jones. Um, and with, excuse me, you can cut this. Sorry, my throat's really dry. Um, Kai Jones, I think, sort of was a good reminder of that where you, you actually have to have like some semblance of being good at basketball um, and not just like a super athletic guy who who does things in a very way. Um, You have to be able to sort of put that together and and not just bet on it becoming something. Um, The other guy I learned a lot from was uh, Justin Jackson, the one from North Carolina. Uh, I think he was 2017. Um, he was a, I, I thought he was just going to be like a really awesome shooter. Um, really just like a typical sort of three and D type guy. Um, and, but that taught me that I should have been more skeptical of guys that don't have a great track record of shooting Um, whose indicators outside of being a really good three point shooter, just, aren't necessarily there um in in terms of track record and, and like his free throw percentage wasn't all that high the year that he shot really well from three so um it sort of taught me to look more at even though one thing is really good there there's sort of more to unpack there and more to the story you should look at a track record more and be more skeptical of something all of a sudden comes out of nowhere as a good skill if if there's no other indicators that that say that that skill is real or there's nothing else that backs it up in terms of track record then be a little bit more weary of of that being like a, a definite thing that they're going to be good at in the nba
0: yeah absolutely all right let's move on to this last question from charlie pendergraph who are the top five prospects by position and what tier do they fall into uh would love to see how deep this draft is by position. This is obviously really hard. Um but I think it's an interesting question. Uh I'm going to I'm going to um so I break players into four positions. Um and that's guard, wing, forward, center. Um and and my only uh like like detail on this is who can you guard? Um occasionally I'll I'll add a wrinkle of they're a wing guard. Um, if I think there's a world where hey, like primarily they're a wing, but you can potentially run them at the point guard or they're a center forward, like hey, they're mostly a center, but you potentially run them at the four. Um, but I find this question interesting. Um, I'm not gonna go through and give like a hundred percent of a top five. I'll let you guys kind of add some color here if you want, but I think it is interesting to note where the shaft is deep and where it isn't. Um so for one centers, I think obviously you at the top you have Victor Yama. you have a guy like Khalil Ware. And after that, it feels like it drops off a bit. You know, do you consider a Derece Walker or a small ball set? Cent- excuse me, a small ball center. I don't know. I really wouldn't. I think he's more before. Um DeRon Holmes, I think, uh deserves some mention as a uh center, but especially after that, I mean, some people are still on Derek Lively. I've never been in on Derek Lively. I like F.A. Um, I think he's great. Uh, but, you know, there's not like a ton of depth at the center spot. I honestly think if you're really searching for that fifth center, it's a guy like Colin Castleton or Muhammad Gay, you know, guys who are at best in like the maybe the low 30s on a draft board. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. The other real weak spot of this draft is point guards. Um, for me, I don't have a point guard on like a true, nothing but a point guard, you know, Aunt black, I have high on my draft board, but he's like, you know, wing guard, Brandon Podziemski, I have in the lottery, but he's like a wing guard. The first like true point guard I have is Nick Smith. Who's like outside the lottery a little bit, a Turk Smith could, or yeah, a Turk Smith could fall here. Um, you know, you have scoot as a wing. No. Oh, I do have scoot as a guard. Sorry. Obviously scoot should be. Uh, counted as a point guard. Um, but, you know, in general, like, I, I, I think this is a very weak draft in terms of true point guards, but there are a lot of guard-adjacent wings who fascinate me. Anthony Black, uh, I won't say both the Thompson twins because I don't think Osor is really a point guard prospect, but Amen, I think, could potentially be a point guard. You know, those are the guys, like, again, Podziemski, could you run him as a point guard? Maybe. Even Nick Smith is six four. So I, I don't know, like that's where, that's where like the depth of guard lies in this draft, but it's not long before you're getting to either upperclassmen like Marcus Sasser or Reese Beekman or swings on freshmen who haven't shown a ton so far, like the Um, uh, Shout out Mike Miles Jr. As well. Wings, wings, wings. This draft is stacked with wings and forwards and basically however you want to split them up. There's a lot in um, Thompson, Bryce Sensabaugh, Anthony Black, Asour Thompson, Jet Howard. Those are like my top five wings. Well, those are, you know, all top 10 guys. It's not even counting guys like Cam Whitmore, Drake Whitehead, Max Lewis, Jordan Walsh. Uh, Jordan Walsh is even more of a forward. If you want to talk about guys I consider more forward-esque, Taylor Hendricks is a great example of that. Uh, Jordan Walsh is here. Uh, you know, J'Race Walker I would even consider a guy like Brandon Miller a bit of a forward. Uh, he's like a wing forward type. Leonard Miller is a forward. I still like Trayvon Brazil. He's a forward. Roka Prkocic is probably going to be in this draft. He's a forward. Chris Murray really under discussed. Uh, younger brother of Keegan. He's a forward. Um, I just think there's there's like this draft is chock full of wings and forwards. Who, as we discussed, you know, using the color of our earlier conversations, they are guys who have most of them have at least one or two NBA skills and some major questions surrounding those skills. So uh, I, I don't know. I, again, you guys don't have to give your top five, but, but so no, This you, are you with me that the depth in this draft lies in sort of the wing forwards?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's extremely devoid of guards and extremely devoid of any sort of like, um, uh, definitive center, um, guys who can maybe play like small ball center or center for stretches, but full time centers there's just not a whole lot of. Um, this one I will give an actual answer instead of I don't know. Um, I uh, I'll have so it's not building a lineup, it's just picking the best of each position I guess. So I'll put Scoot as the best point guard. Um, I will put I guess Almond Thompson as a shooting guard, even though I don't think he's going to really play shooting guard in the nba but um for the sake of this exercise um i'll put his brother in as the three um the four is really where it gets tricky uh i um, people people are going to want me to put brandon miller but i am going to put juries walker there um and then at center i'll probably put uh well obviously i'll put victor rambanyama so that that'll be my five all right, yeah, if we're doing I,
0: a five, if we're doing a no, five, that's what I thought it is,
1: right? Is that not? The... Oh, no, I think you completely
2: misunderstood the question. I think but it's okay. We met I the think five this is fun. best from each position, which
0: is, you know, basically a top uh, 25. It's, it's not a top, top five. five. Yeah. It's okay. But, I like, no, this. I'm do I like that your too. version. My yeah. bad. So Scoot <laughs> is definitely the point guard, uh, even though I'm lower on Scoot than some, I think. Oh, man. I'm going to go Bryce Spa, Taylor Hendricks and wendy that's my that's my five uh Coop, take it away
2: uh yeah i think scoot and amen is your one two is like you have to go with it uh and then i feel inclined to put azar in here because there's like i think you can just run the three of them and just uh just do whatever the hell you want they'll figure it out and then the four is where i'd like with stone i think it gets funky i could either throw? I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna shove Jet Howard in there. I think we need some shooting on this team very badly. Uh, like <laughs> two of the Thompson twins and Scoot, who might not shoot for them three for another few years. We'll have all the rim pressure in the world, but we'll we'll throw Jet Howard there, and then uh, you know the best center in the draft, Jarris Walker, Hello, where? in it oh. in at the five. Uh, just kidding, Wembyama. If
1: you if you look at this question though, I think it can be interpreted both ways so if you're listening to this Charlie Pendegraf, please clarify because now I really want to know if I did this wrong
0: Uh, yeah alright I think that's about it we were talking about me doing tail of the tape but I'll be honest I gotta get to bed I, uh, I'm i about to pass out so uh, this has been great uh, again we thank you guys so much for listening and you know I, I listen I know we're not the biggest uh, flashiest draft pod out there but we hope we bring you really honest and uh, thought-provoking commentary that's really our, our whole goal here uh, and we appreciate you guys listening and sending in questions and be ready for that first Wimby deep dive in T-minus one week uh, for Coop at alley underscore Oop underscore Coop for stone out report underscore court I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 make sure you give this a like rating review all that fun stuff follow us on Twitter spinning upsets wings to be a draft podcast we hope we hit our ceiling thank you